Hello again and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond and with me as ever to look forward to week two of the 2020 Women's Six Nations is Harlequins and England superstar Rachel Burford. Hi Johnny, it's been a fantastic week one of the Six Nations. Three really tight matches and we're expecting a couple more this weekend. And of course, I have to take an early lead in the prediction race too. Sorry about that. Yeah, you have. I mean, I was just doing it just to just to show some sort of difference. But yeah, fair play to you. Picked up a clean sweep by predicting wins for England, Ireland and Italy. We'll look back on all those games in this week's WRP. And we've got a pretty good guest list too, haven't we? Yeah, did we have. Women representing all four home unions on this week's show. They'll help us preview Sunday's second round games in Glasgow and Dublin as Scotland play England at 12-10 and Ireland take on Wales in Dublin at 1. And we're going to have England prop Hannah Bottoman or Crockerman as Crockerman, she likes yeah, to go by now. Joins us from England camp where she's preparing for the week's head game at Scotstone after a perfect start in Pope. Scotland's Jay Crocker will tell us what they have planned for the visit of the reigning champions and reflect on last Sunday's nearly but not quite so performance in Ireland. And it was a similar story for Wales, who left it too late to overhaul Italy's early lead in Cardiff. Former captain Rachel Taylor will reflect on the Welsh start to the tournament. Yeah, Wales head to Dublin to face an Ireland side bidding for another win this weekend. We'll look forward to that match with Irish legend Lynn Cantwell. So a busy old show again this week, Burfatron. So we'll, uh, we'll get stuck straight into last weekend's games, round one. What did you make of England in Po? Po. Bon? Oui. Or mal? Bon. Great. What so that's that, that reviewed in depth there. <laughs> oh, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Your French listeners are coming on perfectly. I just said it. Was it good or bad? Oh, did I say good? You said good. Oh, yes. That's what I wanted it to be anyway. Um, yeah, I thought it was actually, you know, a really good performance from England. Um, to kind of close the game out. I think there's lots, there's going to be a few things as always that you look into, but I think how England managed the game at the end was really, really good. Um, kind of moving left to right, left to right, wind the clock down because they knew that kind of the momentum was swinging back towards France. As always, England opened really strongly. Um, and I think that's down to come, a couple of the personnel. People like Sarah Beckett, Hannah Bottomman. Um, Mo Hunt, they have so much good energy around them that when the whistle goes, it kind of explodes onto the pitch, which is really, really useful when you're in a place like France, playing in that kind of atmosphere with that kind of crowd. You need players like that to get you on to a really good start. Um, They were under a hell of a lot of pressure at times. And this probably comes on to my point that I was really disappointed with France. There were some brilliant moments from them, but the basics let them down the amount of opportunities that they had and they just knocked it on and I think the difference for me watching even though you know it was getting tight and they seemed to be camped on England's line at never point one point was I actually that worried I was more worried that they're going to drop the ball or they're going to do a crossing or give away a penalty or get isolated at the breakdown whereas when England had the ball I felt they were really in control they know what they were doing they're always working in their twos and threes in the breakdown he had Mo putting tempo on it, moving the ball away quickly from the breakdown, always having runners coming onto the ball. But when, and even when there was that real, like everybody was kind of holding their breath, it was kind of like the second, um, third in the second half, um, where you're like, oh my God, they're going to they're gonna take the lead here. Because it was 10-12 for a really long time and you thought... Well, I'll just go cut in there, just allow you to get some oxygen back in the system. <laughs> still, <laughs> still pumped from it. <laughs> Jeez, like you're out there. It was 10-12 at half time. <clears throat> yep. Uh, and the second half score was three points to France, seven to England. And yet France had, what, 80% of territory? Yeah, possession. Would have thought good old 75% percent, uh, The amount of times they got into the well. 22. Extraordinary defence. I mean, I mean, amazing turnover by Kate Day McLean. Amazing. But, but should a 10 be getting anywhere near that in that zone? 100% not. But, but That's it, criminal. I, 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 I agree. But the, it, was those, it was those little moments. You, you know the girls incredibly well. Of course, you've, you've been right in the heart of that. Um, but it was, for me, attitude. I, I thought the attitude was absolutely outstanding. To, because that's what defence is, isn't it? it? Technically, 
everybody's kind of at that level is going to be at the same thing. But attitude to get yourself off the floor. Yeah, Pat Lamb says it, the Bristol coach, isn't it? Be world-class the things that don't take talent. Getting back off the floor, making another hit, making <clears> another <throat> hit. Katie Daly-McLean. I thought Jess Breach's defence, and she's not known for her no. defence. Let's be honest, she's a try scorer. Her defence out wide, Abby Dow's defence out wide was, was, was outstanding. You know, those players, you don't necessarily... See as defenders, I, I just thought the attitude was 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 first class. And Abby Dow with her eleventh try in ten Test matches now was great. And we yeah, do. Yeah, she have... played well. She played really well. I think what you notice with Abby Dow, um, there's a real difference between like her style and Jess's style. Yeah. Me. Like when you see Abby Dow, she's so aggressive in the contact, even when she's being tackled. Very similar to Lydia Thompson as well. Which I um, wanted to add. When she goes into contact, it normally takes three of them. When she's on the floor, she's really active. Takes a little extra roll, a little crawl, then does a long present presentation. So then it just always buys that little bit extra on the edge to allow space elsewhere. But I was really, really pleased at how she went. She's obviously been playing really well at Wasps. Um, not a full-time contract player. Um, so she's really taken her opportunity being invited into camp and then to step on the stage at France again. It's quite funny, actually, because I mentioned to her, because last time we were in France, um, 2018... Was it 18 or 17? 18. 18. She obviously busted her nose really badly. So I texted her saying, make sure you keep your nose out of the tackle. Um, and she said she didn't want to say anything to me because it would jinx her. But about three other players ended up getting their nose bashed. She was like, I think you've, you've lifted the curse now because she's always banging her nose, bless her, because she's just so aggressive in, the def- in, the, in her attack. Yeah, it's very, very, very physical. Uh, Got to talk about the one to try from. Who? Who's that? Who, who's well, <laughs> you know, uh, I was watching other few people, and uh, yeah, she, she's just yeah. For my very very humble opinion, uh, just the world's best player, men or women. She's just outstanding, Emily Scout, to, to run that line, the confidence, and Anne Marie. That's a sensational offload. Yeah, really I, th- I think you, if you broke it down, like really good set piece, off top ball, great delivery um, to Katie Dane McLean. Nice soft hands, Amber literally just runs straight, draws in defender. I think, but forget how Emily running that in. What she's done in in split seconds, we're talking about, is she's identified that her thirteen has stayed wide and the twelve is massively bit in on Amber, and her thirteen's left her out to dry. So she's recognised that she's accelerated to the line with Amber, and that's how an Amber brilliant offload to get it out the round the back of the tackles, superb. Um, it'd be really interesting to know what they actually called and what that play was going to be. Whether it was or... a variance, I think she said in the post-match interview, it was, it was a variance. They kind of on the hoof made a call because she'd seen what 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 you were. You were no, but they before now. that before the ball would have gone into the lineup, they would have pre-called something to play. Yeah, yeah. So whether it was that or whether it was something else, maybe you know a wrap round, or they're looking to punch Amber and play quick again around the corner. Would be really interesting to know whether then all of a sudden all all bets are off, sin something, go, which is what has happened. But it'd be nice to know what the the play was beforehand. Well, she's coming on the pod later in the Six Nations. We'll ask her. Yes, we will. No problem at all. And then so her, she gets player of the match, guessing by the French broadcasters. And then so her, she looked just like disgusted. What what are you doing? Uh, and then named Zoe Aldcroft as her player of the match. And uh, yeah, I thought Zoe Aldcroft was was outstanding. A little bit of work if we're you know, going to be uh, going to be firm about it. A little bit of work to to be done on the scrums. Shawna Brown, a back rower, moved up to the front row. Um, had a bottom learning that trade. She's she young young prop that she is. We we can ask her about her about it in the in the pod later on. But a little bit of work to to be done in in that area. But uh, no, I thought it was a very defiant performance from England. Yeah, I uh, think they'll be they'll be really confident. You know, we spoke about it all week. It's really hard to go and play in France. Um, You know, for moments, France really turned up and brought the heat, which was really good to obviously have that close test match. You know, I think we still need to applaud France in what they're doing in terms of, you know, the advertisement, getting players in, sorry, spectators in to watch, just the the atmosphere in the crowd. It's just, you know, they they do it really, really well and they're one of the best at doing it. And, And that is why it makes it so special as a player to go and play in places like Poe or anywhere in France because without fail, they fill it out, they make it a great environment to play in and it makes winning there so much better when, when you do. Yeah, it makes it just a special atmosphere, special game on the field, proper test match. Chapeau, 
To Vicky Cormorant <laughs> on her 50th cap coming off the bench, your uh, Harlequins teammate. So news from uh, around the globe. Of course, this week, the 2021 World Cup was launched with a splendid new logo. The schedule and the, the venues were announced as well. Waitakari Stadium, I've been told. Very well yeah. done. Waitakari Stadium in Auckland. The Northlands Event Centre in Fangaray. Oh. Yeah. Fangaray. Uh, and Eden Park. Auckland, I did on. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are the epicenters uh, for the games. And the all-important dates for the pool games, the 18th, 23rd and 28th of September for the pool games. Quarterfinals on the 3rd of October with the semis on the 9th. And finals day is the 16th of October. Yeah, exciting. Obviously seeing the quarterfinals in there um, for the first time in yeah. a long time. It's, the schedule's longer so there's more rest time. So hopefully we're going to have, you know, Tighter games, but look, it's all over social media. Check it out, retweet it, share it, get in and amongst it, um, because we want this to be the biggest and the best World Cup ever, and we need everybody to to do that. Yeah, hundred percent. Great place that time of of year as, as well. Uh, congratulations to you and Harlequins, because uh, big news coming out of the English league this week uh, it was announced that, uh, as I say, Harlequins, Loughborough Lightning, Bristol, Saracens, Gloucester, Hartbury were all guaranteed three more years in the top flight. Well, Richmond, Worcester, Darlington, Moden Park, Sharks and Furwood, Waterloo have all been invited to retender for a place. That decision came after an audit, here's the boring bit, where each current TP club, Tyrrell's Premier Club, was assessed based on a combination of their ability to deliver the competition minimum standards and their on-pitch performances. Clubs were then ranked from 1 to 10. So those bottom four, as it were... Uh, will be alongside the likes of Sale, Sale Sharks, who who declared their intention to tender the back end of last week. Also Exeter, we know about uh, Newcastle, and potentially the likes of West Park Leeds ladies, Cheltenham ladies, Blackheath ladies, uh, and old Albanian Saints. Those teams at the top of the uh, the divisions below the Tills Premier. Uh, bit of reaction from those clubs. Richmond not happy bunnies. Um, Press release came out fairly quickly after the decision. Obvious shift to align with Premiership clubs. Worcester, mm. on the other hand, far more positive. I mean, this process started back in November when Joe Yap had just come in and things were beginning to change. So, yeah, Worcester a little bit more positive uh, with their reaction to it. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's going to be tough for those bottom four teams, um, you know, including, we've, we've spoken there about Richmond and Worcester, but Worcester have been looking, you know, increasingly on the up, I think, with Joe Yap in hand there. Um, and the club came out saying we're fully su- supporting Joe and um, everything moving forward. So, you know, and that's probably a team I'd like to see stay because of the potential that they have and the opportunities that they have. It'd be interesting, I mean, we won't know, but it'd be interesting to know where they fell down in the audit um, in comparison to some of the others in, t- in that corner five, six ranking. Um but I think, yeah, I also read the press release about Richmond saying, you know, that they're favouring um, sides from Premiership that are aligned with men. And I just think, I don't think that's a fair statement. Loughborough Lightning isn't. But also, I think, you know, one to six have heavily invested in their women's teams. And you can't look away from that. And I think that is the bottom line of, of why they've come out on top on those audits. Um, and I think, you know, for, for Richmond, it's going to be, you know, they're, they're retendering, which is good to hear that they're not just going to um, not try. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be a hard ask unless they, they show some more investment. Playing devil's advocate, no side has won more titles. <clears throat> um, In a different era, yes. OK. They have given a, a huge amount to the women's game. This was... The Litchfield argument, wasn't it, when, yeah. when, three years ago? Um, I, yeah, as I said, I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah. Does history play a part in the minimum criteria? I'm not sure it does. You, you, you've got to play the game. You've got to tick the boxes. On the other hand, Worcester have realised that. Joe Yaps realised that. One full-time member of staff has gone up to 5-6. Owners come out this week. 
with a, with a statement about it as well. So, yeah, very different reactions from those two clubs. So we will look on with great interest. And, then, of course, on Sunday, just before that announcement, in the Sunday Times, really good article, came out to, talking about salary caps as well. So, um, which apparently has been rubber-stamped by the RFU board, um, mainly, basically, to, to have a level playing field across the teams, which would make a great deal of sense. Yeah, like as players, we don't really know the the details of that. We heard a bit of a whisper that they're going to do that to kind of just, you know, as you said, keep a level playing field. Um, but what that looks like in detail, no idea. But as soon as I know, I'll dish the guts. Yeah, please, please do. <laughs> One thing you do know yeah. is that that salary cap will be looked at like a microscope and be checked on constantly after the recent months that <laughs> we've had. I'm not sure it's, it's going to be those game. sort of figures. Um, it's hopeful. <laughs> yeah, but still, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. got to be no, a year yeah. too, isn't it? And you've got to abide by it, so... Absolutely. Uh, this week, we, we bid farewell to Kimber Rosier, the USA international, announced her retirement after playing in three World Cups. All the best with your next chapter. Yeah, she also um, came and played at Hardquins um, as well. So, yeah, it's... Um, Sad to see her leave um, leave the game, but I'm sure whatever she goes on to, she's such a spirited player and person um, that I'm sure she's going to do really well in whatever her next chapter is. And the world of sevens, of course, continued in Sydney at the weekend. It did, and it is all black. The Black Ferns win their fourth straight title, beating Canada again in the final, as they did in Hamilton. And this, they're also the first team that are going that have defended the title from Sydney. And also, Tyler Nathan Wong picks up um, 1,000 points on the circuit, the first black fan to register it, so really well done to her. And she also picked up player of the final. Unbelievable conversion as well to do it, wasn't it? Unreal, right from the sideline. Yeah, I messaged her saying there was no chance you were going to miss that one to to get over the 1,000-point mark. Did she reply? No. Do you know who you are? Not yet. Hey, she's still asleep right now. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit far, Johnny. Yep, and obviously England were showing more promising signs, finishing sixth. And what about Ireland? Finished up in 11th. I think they'll be pretty disappointed with that. Ireland have been in and around it in terms of kind of around sort of sixth, seventh place. Um and I've just, it just seems they've been really inconsistent this season. So uh, the standings after five legs, strangely enough, New Zealand leading the way after their fourth straight title. Uh, Australia then in next, Canada, France, England down in eighth and Ireland in tenth. I'm Emily Scarrett and you are listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Okay, time for our first guest. Last week, Marley Packer told us that the Red Roses' winning mentality and a team battle-hardened by the Tyrrells would be too much for France. She was bang on with her prediction. Will the same be true in Scotland this Sunday? One woman who will know better than most is England's prop, Hannah Bottoman, who joins us on the line now. Hello, Hannah, how are you? Hello, yeah, very good, thank you. Hey, Bots. Hello. <laughs> you sound like you've been sleeping. Oh, no, no, no. No. I'm... Resting, not sleeping. Have you um, sorted out um, a crop deal yet? I have actually. I've I've had them. I've had them in my DMs. Oh, they're sliding in there, are they? I sh- oh, yeah, slid Just in there. I should have sliding sh- their crops. Yeah, should have some on the way soon. Hopefully. Do you reckon it's going to catch on? Um. <laughs> uh, would you wear a pair? Um, I I couldn't possibly. I'm really loyal to Adidas. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, well That's basically for the sports brand, for God's sake. Where? Yeah, but it's not a sports brand, is it? Have you spoken to Nike about it? No, I haven't actually. <laughs> I haven't actually. Not yet. I can't believe you changed your Twitter handle to Crockerman. It's awesome. <laughs> I thought I'd do a Greta Thunberg with her with her Sharon. Oh, Sharon nice, nice. Here, so I thought, <laughs> why not? And I, I, I just haven't been haven't been on there to change it back yet. So. Anyway, to, to the serious stuff. I was going to say, I'm very happy to discuss footwear all day. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We discuss footwear all, all, all day long, but uh, we, we, we could choose. We could we could cheer the fact with some rugby as well. Hannah, what, what what was it like over in Poe? Just just describe the scene for us. What was the crowd like? How vociferous was it? Yeah, I mean uh, the crowd the crowds over in France are always always fantastic. Um, this one was um, particularly. Uh, how do you say it? Um, wow. 
partisan? Yeah, Aggressive. yeah. I mean, there, there was a few chants and quite a lot of booing, um, but I think quite a lot of us um, enjoy that. So, no, it was, a, it was an absolutely great crowd. It was incredibly hot, ridiculously hot. Um, I think it hit 29 degrees at one point, so it, it was pretty hot out there in the stadium. But, yeah, great atmosphere, great crowd, um, and obviously ultimately came away with a win. So, um, yeah, it was a fantastic, fantastic weekend. Uh, Marley was on the, on the pod last week. Um, your your Saracens teammate, England teammate, uh, and close friend, I think as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. close friend. Close besties, friend. besties. She said, silence in the crowd, good start, was exactly what you wanted. You went out and delivered that. How important was that? How much was that spoken about by Mids and the rest uh, in the build-up to the game? Yeah, massively. I think um, it's very hard against a team like France to, to allow them to get into the game early on. So... We really wanted to go out there, sort of impose ourselves in the first twenty minutes, and and we did obviously by getting by getting two tries, and um, we went out there and, and did silence the crowd for a bit. Uh, unfortunately, obviously before half time, it sort of came back at us with a few silly errors of our own. Um, but yeah, managed to hold them out. But it, it, ultimately, we had we had a we had a fantastic start, and that's sort of what what we wanted to go out there and do really. And Hannah, you talk about. At half time, you know, they were getting the momentum swing um, through your errors, but also through some great play of their own. What was said at half time? Was there any worry or concern? What, you know, was, what was the messages from the coaches and from the senior players around you? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there was a concern. Um, I think we, we wanted to go back out there and obviously basically start that half how we started the last half from in playing the right areas of the field and, and dictate the tempo of the game. Um, uh, it was ultimately pretty positive in the change room, and um, we just needed to go out there and, and perform perform how we performed in those first twenty minutes. And the people coming on needed to do needed to do a job when they came on and, and bring the energy. Um, and I think ultimately they did that, and um, obviously came away with the win with that fantastic Emily Scarrup try. Yeah, I mean, all down to the first part of the set piece. I hope forwards are taking a bit of credit. Well, uh, to be honest, Rido's offload was absolutely ridiculous. So, um, yeah, it was a full-team effort. Good performance. Put that to bed. A lot of people talking about how that's the big game. That's the Six Nations decider. I know, as players, been there before, you wouldn't be thinking like that. And moving into this weekend, you've got another away fixture. And as you mentioned before, we came on the pod, you know, it's tiring travelling. You know, what sort of things are you guys talking about and focusing on this week going into the weekend? I think um, our, our ethos as a team is sort of doesn't matter who we're playing against is that we want to be better be better than we were the week before. So going into next week, it'll be how we can how we can improve how we can improve our performance and um, and what that looks like sort of thing. So um, we'll just we'll be going into Scotland focusing on ourselves. Obviously, we'll have a look at what they do, but um, ultimately, we just want to be better than we were the week before so whatever we need to work on work on from that France game we'll, we'll take into the Scotland one Hannah being, being a former front rower my, myself um, I was watching the scrums over in Poe uh, with, mm. with with great interest a um, few scrums probably you probably admit didn't quite go your way um, what, what in the analysis and the, the now the dust settling with, with you guys a few things being tweaked was it was it mental stuff was it technical stuff um, well, for anyone that plays that's played against France, well, front row wise, um, will know how they scrummage. Um, I won't comment on whether how how legal it is. Um, <laughs> you just have, yeah, brilliant. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they're, they're they're the same team over and over again, and for us as a team, it's finding ways to take take the officials out of it because. Sometimes necessarily, it's not officiated the way that we'd like it to be. So, for us, it's about finding a way for for us to take take the officials out of it and how we can solve it ourselves. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's something that we're sort of that we're we're really looking to to improve on and 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 work on. And we've we've had like some specific coaching around it, sort of thing. But yeah, for us, it's. It was, I think the, our first few, we, we, I think we did quite well and we scrummaged quite well against them um, yeah. and they obviously brought some changes on and um, 
yeah, it didn't re- it didn't quite go our way. But like I said, it's it's quite difficult to to take the officiating out of it, and and sometimes it is what it is. But we've just got to find ways that we can we can come out on top in those situations without having to worry about what what the officials are doing. So Scotland this weekend up front, uh, a, a different prospect to to France. Yeah, I think. Yeah, um, look, I've, we've obviously I've always obviously already had had a look, and their, their scrummaging was uh, was pretty solid against against a, a decent Ireland pack. So um, we'll again just look at ourselves, probably what we can do from from last week, take that into this week, and um, and just really go into it, sort of wanting wanting to be that that dominant pack. I've never heard so much scrum chat on on yeah, the pod before. I, I don't really Thanks like for that, mate. Much, yeah, so, I, so you just got a hell of a lot out of me. <laughs> uh, no, it's been awesome. It's the game's won and lost. Yeah, oh god, don't please, stop. Ladies, come, on. come on now. Um, no, look, Bots, it's been awesome having you on and it was great to watch you guys uh, win at the weekend. Yeah, and we'll be, be watching on this weekend, um, cheering you guys on and we hope that, you know, you guys get what you want to get out of it, which is a much improved performance as well. So very best of luck and thank you so much for coming on the Women's Rugby Pod. Thank you very much for having me. Much appreciated. Cheers, Hannah. Bye. Cheers. Bye. I'm Jill Burns and you're listening to the wonderful Women's Rugby Pod. For the Scottish perspective ahead of the game at Glasgow, it's a warm WRP welcome to Jade Cronkle. How are you? How, how's the body after the weekend? It was a it was a brutal test match. Body's definitely felt better. Um, certainly woke up the next day having felt like I'd been hit by hit by several buses, um, which I suppose when you watch the game back, you'll see is probably true. Um, yeah, it was a really tough match. Um, they really came out firing at us in the first twenty minutes, and we didn't front up. Um, we didn't front up till twenty minutes within the game, which ultimately cost us. Um, but again, like lots of positives to take, and actually reflecting back on the game, like this is a team five years ago who beat us seventy-three-three. Um, so to now actually be competing against them and getting the win two years ago, and then close to a win this weekend, like we have to have to look at the positives and you know keep building and growing our own confidence as well. So lots to take from it, but still, you know, a sore one to take at the same time. Yeah, I guess it is like a real sore one. But like, was there a couple of the players, you know, messages? at the end of the game to, to kind of lift everybody's spirits and, and start looking ahead all the kind of like people that were messaging after like there were so many positive messages about how we stuck in like we wanted to be known as a relentless team and there's articles that are calling us a relentless Scottish side which you know means a lot to us because I feel like we did stay in the fight for the full 80 albeit we turned up a little bit late but um we didn't make it easy for them and I think that's definitely what something we want to bring through for the rest of the campaign like no game is going to be easy for any opposition so it was definitely nice to get a lot of positive messages about the way we were playing now you've had a couple of days to just to let this kind of dust settle as it were and probably had a, a bit of a review and what have you I mean for, for my money you know, 66 minutes in you're Sarah Law chucks that pass if, if that goes in the right place you're scoring there and, and, and you're winning the game is it is it kind of one that got away yeah, it comes down to the small margins, you know, like the the, the pitch works in different ways, like it's, uh, you know, a second too early, a second too late, and I think that's just something that we didn't nail the timing of, and um, it's, you know, a whole team a whole team effort, and we should have, like, we could have been better prepared for that, we could have offered more options, we could have just, you know, looked that split second earlier, but, you know, anything could have happened, but that's something that we need to work on as a squad to knuckle down in those scenarios, and especially when things get tough, we want to be able to cope under the pressure and deal under the pressure, and, like, I think we're getting better, and we're definitely being put more in the situations of having to deal with instances like that, so it is just about learning and growing from that, so we're going to report back on that match on not just the intercepted, intercepted pass but all the tries they scored all the tries we could have scored and then we're going to build on that to see where we can improve each game so it comes down to a fully imminent performance and not just that one interception Yeah and you might mention there about growing pains I guess if this was ever going to happen you kind of want to learn these lessons now and not maybe in you know, six or seven months time I mean you must take a lot of confidence as you said you know where you've come from with it as this side to now fully competing I mean, this must be, you know, pretty exciting going into this weekend with this kind of new mindset about the team. Definitely. Um, like, a lot is, like, going to come up to the kind of come September and 
like I think after the weekend we have shown that we can compete with Ireland and there's not much in it between the two which I think is absolutely fantastic for women's rugby as well and um, going into this weekend obviously we know England is going to be a really hard a hard match and like you know the quality of the England side is just phenomenal and to be able to play against them is phenomenal but as a squad we need to remember that a lot of our players are in the Tyrrells Premiership so we play with these players week in week out and we compete against these players so I think we just need to have that belief that we can step up and front up and you know definitely actually put on a show and really focus on what we as a squad have been working on and I think that's super important not to write us off and um, it's going to be hard but it's going to be one that we're going to fight for 80 minutes in and one that we're definitely not going to take lightly despite you know world ranking scores and uh, knowing that there are many places above us but you know hopefully we're going to be a relentless Scottish side and you know we've got points to prove so hopefully that comes across. Jade how important is that 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 opening 20 minutes England started with a blast down in Poe you as you say took took us to the first quarter to get yourselves going just how important is that going to be on Sunday at Scotstone? Yeah, it's going to be so important and it's going to be great to have a home crowd as well. You know, the crowd really do get behind us at Scottsdale and I think we're getting so much closer as a team and I think having that kind of, like we've had many ups and downs already this season with Wales, Japan and Ireland and I think we, you know, we just need to find that switch to switch on together. But I do feel that everything that's happened has brought us closer. And obviously all the new things we're learning with Philip Doyle in as well is just going to bring us closer. But we just need to find a way that we can really switch on when that final, when, well, when the starting whistle goes and not switch off to the final whistle gone has gone as well. So, yeah, it's going to be really important to front up and, you know, straight away as well. Jade, that's that's brilliant. I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, we'll we'll let you go, get some rest. Um, it, it's, it's it's fairly fairly obvious from the outside. Uh, and we we spoke to Goose, uh, Philip, sorry, Philip Doyle uh, last last week in the pod. It's fairly obvious from the outside that some really really good exciting things are happening up in Scotland. All the best on, on closing that gap uh, at the weekend. And yeah, we we wish you well. Thank you very very much. Always a pleasure. So let's move on to uh, Sunday's other game as Wales heads to Enjar Park to take on uh, Ireland, of course. Chris Horseman's team fell just short against Italy at the Arms Park last weekend. But it's a 19-15 defeat to the team who came second in last year's tournament. A step forward for Wales or not? Don't take our word for it. Let's uh, introduce Rachel Taylor to the WRP for a second time. So we can now call you a, a friend of the pod, Rachel. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having me. What, what, have, really, what have you been doing today? You've been doing some interesting stuff today. Yes, I've, uh, well, the last couple of days I've been down in Bryce Norton to the RAF base uh, in Oxfordshire just to do some best share practice on, uh, on a coaching course with the Welsh Rugby Union. So, yeah, it's been, been exciting. Been firing some guns and landing some imaginary planes. So, it's been good. <laughs> been good. Good couple of days. <laughs> Nice, interesting, interesting stuff. Um, how how uh, interested were you by Wales's performance at the weekend, Rachel? Yeah, I was, um, I was expecting big things. To be honest, I think uh, the the feedback come from the launch, and obviously, the you know with with Sue, I'm sort of speaking quite confident confidently uh, about the team and the environment. You know, I was um, quite keen to see how they got on. I think. Probably disappointment. I, you know, I've heard that bandit around a lot from the players and the, and the feedback and the reviews after after the game. And it's, it's probably where it is really. I think there's lots of opportunities and, and and areas for growth. And some players, you know, really put their hand up, which I think is brilliant. Um, but, but I think they'll be pretty disappointed with with not managing not managing to not win that first first game. Like you know, you know how crucial that is to get off on a good foot. So I think they'll be bitterly disappointed. So let's concentrate on the positives then. You, you said there are a few people who did put their hands up. Who in your who in your eyes did? Yeah, I think you know. Obviously, with the missions of you know Karis Phillips, they are sort of historically the people that that Wales go to in a game to do something magical. You know, Shannon can create tries out of nothing, and I think we've probably relied on that for for quite a while, uh, having having that spark. But I thought. You know, there's some senior members of that team now, and I thought Hannah Jones, you know, coming back, she's she's done some stuff out in Australia, you know, playing sevens. I just thought there was just a bit of a touch of class about her. Um, I think, you know, she might be one of those players that ends up filling that 
that opportunity now, that space in that team to become one of those players that everyone looks to for those moments. Are you surprised that those two players aren't involved, Rachel? I was surprised. I think, you know, it's, it's always hard and, and you'll know, you know, every team sort of goes through it when there's a, a new regime of coaches and some people choose retirement and, and you know, some people are unselected within squads and, and, you know, I'll be brutally honest, I was pretty surprised, you know, as I said, they're sort of two players that we normally look to for those moments. Having said that, you know, I think you know, Kelsey was, you know, Obviously, scoring a try on her first start, you know, she's come off the bench a lot, but it's just creates an opportunity for somebody to sort of fill that gap, I suppose. And I think that's probably where you'd like to think Wales will sort of grab that now by the horns and really work hard to become that player within the team. And I think hopefully that'll generate quite a lot of internal competition. Yeah, I'm, yeah, good good friends with uh, Shunard, you know, and Karis, and obviously devastated for them. And I think they'll probably, you know, crack on at, at both being at Worcester, obviously, uh, I think they'll just crack on and sort of knuckle down and, and aim to get back in. I think that the story or the, the line is that the, the door's not shut, so they'll probably try to go away, like, graph really hard and, and get back into the squad. It was always going to be a tough game for Wales, but I think, like I said, there's a few players in that squad now, and, like, I would refer to them as the babies, you know, being, like, grandma or grandma age now, in reference to them, but... Um, you know, there's a there's a fair number of caps in there. I think, you know, I think Robin's coming up to forty plus, maybe forty six, forty seven caps, something like that. And I think those are the players now that have maybe got a lot of opportunity to to really do something. And I and I hope that this Six Nations is something that they take that opportunity to do it because there is there are people coming through now at a younger level where we probably haven't been fortunate like that in the past. You know, it, it is developing, but those are the players now, you know, Kira Bevan, like you got like they need to need to take on the mantle really and I think Shuan being captain, you know, she'll she'll probably relish that and I, and hopefully she'll just grow into it. So Rachel, what do you think they need to focus on? You know, Ireland is a really tough place to play in. Um they're obviously on the back of a a good, strong win. Um I mean what what are sort of the key messages that you would think would be going around that change room and into training this week? Every time we go to Ireland you know, talking sort of historically as well, but we tend to try and play the same way, which which opens the game up, which is great if you're a neutral. <laughs> it's horrible if you're in the game. Execution of the opportunities they get and, and ball retention. You know, I think it gave a lot of balls to Italy. Um, I think, you know, we do that against Ireland. And, you know, I mentioned about winning the first game being so important. Like, just, just starve them of the ball. I think that'll be the biggest thing. Great stuff. Rachel, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, enjoy the rest of the tournament. Take care. Nice to speak to you. Thank you. Our final guest this week is Ireland's most capped player to assess our country's chances against Wales this weekend. I'm delighted to welcome now mother of two, Lynn Cantwell, onto the WRP. Lynn, how are you? Many congratulations. You brought a lovely baby boy into the world. Yeah, thanks, Johnny and Rachel. Yeah, doing well. Um, a couple of weeks in now, so it's we're adjusting. We're finding our feet. Um, he's safe and well, and um, yeah, we'll 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 figure out how it all how it all goes. At the moment, we're just kind of juggling everything and trying to figure out how we all kind of fit into this new family of four. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Keep keep jigsaw pu- puzzling. Um, I'm about ten years in. Got no idea on the. Uh... <laughs> On the jigsaw at all, but um, no, enjoy enjoy the little sleep that uh, you are getting at the moment. Um, if you don't mind, we'll quickly move on to the rugby because uh, we're yeah. we're doing a sort of whistle stop tour around around the home unions today. Um, just your initial impressions on, on on Ireland's victory at the weekend. Yeah, look, it was a good win. Um, Eighteen fourteen, Ireland probably could have won by more. I was rewatching the game today and. Um, towards the end of the game, Ireland got an intercept try by Bevan Parsons, a really lovely try, 18-year-old, up and coming. Um, Unbelievable, and, wasn't it? Yeah, it was lovely and it was a great read. So, like, defensively, they've changed their defensive systems from last year and they're doing a little bit more outside in and, and they got they caught Scotland a lot of the times using that system and and which resulted in a try for Bevan. Um, interesting, though, if, if that intercept hadn't happened, I think that was around 60, 65 minutes, um, Scotland subsequently came and did score again and, and obviously they would have they would have won if, if she hadn't got an intercept try but um, otherwise Ireland 
were dominant. They should have won the game. I think Scotland, you can see that they have lots of good talent coming through, but they are only making lots of mistakes. And I think that they'll struggle in the Six Nations. And to a degree, they'll probably improve as they go. But I think Ireland were the stronger side um, on the day. But equally, Ireland should have on that they should have probably put a couple more points um, on the board. So an awful lot more for them to improve as the campaign goes on too. Oh, what, they, they were what, 15 nil up after 15 or so minutes? 16, 17 minutes, they were 15 nil up? Um, yeah, yeah, they started very, very well. Their first 20 minutes were really, really good. And the two things that we saw in Ireland that we haven't seen before or they've lacked probably for the last two years are the ability to put people away on the outside. Now, some of that was down to, I think... Um, Scotland's defence was a little bit slow to react and, and just push out so it just gave Ireland more space on the outside but we saw edge to edge try when Sene went over on the right hand corner and when Cleena Maloney went over on the right hand corner as well um, the preceding phases were all edge to edge some offloading which we haven't seen by Ireland before um, or in the last couple of years and a better continuity play so just a little bit more creative a little bit more more flu- more, flu- more fluid um, so that's really, really positive and it's good to see. We only saw them in the first 20 minutes. And I think then Tina Maloney got injured. She went off. That disrupted Ireland's scrum. Um, Scotland got possession back and Ireland kind of struggled then to gain the momentum back on their side. Halftime came and then there was a little bit of a dance for the first 20 minutes of the second half whereby nobody was kind of um, taking, taking dominance of, of the second half. Sarah Law came on then for Scotland and she made a big difference and, and things started to seem to kind of shift in, in Scotland's favour. Um, and then when Bevan Parsons, Parsons got that intercept top try, that seemed to be kind of the writing on the wall. But yeah, overall, Ireland's first 20 minutes was really, really positive. They, if they continue to go like that for the rest of the campaign, I think that they will... Um, they will be in a stronger position at the end of the Six Nations and ultimately what this year is about is that those teams going into the repertage, Italy, Scotland, Ireland in um, in September um, and if Ireland continue to go in the form that they've shown throughout the Six Nations I would imagine that they'd be strong contenders to, to try and nab that. Like looking ahead now then for to against Wales, like you've played against Wales, I've played against them, they are pretty notorious at disrupting, slowing things down, making things a nightmare. And you talk there about lose um, Ireland losing the momentum. So thinking yep. about this weekend, like what do they need to focus on to make sure that they get on top and then stay on stay top? Stay on top, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and look, that's an interesting point because Ireland played Wales in the Autumn Internationals and they were, yeah, they were, they were really dominant. I felt very comfortable watching them. I was pleased to see some changes from the last couple of years and it was definitely showing good signs. But yet, Wales came back I think from 60 minutes onwards Ireland made a couple of changes and Wales just got the momentum and they've got some really good players and they just scored a couple of tries and they won the game you know that's not okay so you need to be able to go ahead and and, and pull ahead whereas there just seemed to be this Ireland have shown a trend of starting strong um, and doing a lot of good things but not doing enough good things and maintaining the momentum to, to pull away and I and I think that comes down to decision making, game management, maturity on the pitch. I think Ireland have have not got a stable nine ten. Um, they've definitely just got a growing nine and ten and I think that they didn't manage that trend that, that momentum shift when Scotland came back in the game on on um on Sunday after about twenty, thirty minutes Scotland started to get back down into Ireland's twenty two and Ireland struggled to get out. They haven't got a natural kicker as well and they haven't got those decision makers to be able to manage the game well. So they need to work on that. They need to work on that off pitch and obviously bring that into on pitch because that's essential to be able to go ahead and stay ahead and when uh, the opposition take the control back to, you know, kind of bully them to get it back on your side. So what sort of players do you think in that side would be the ones that step up and kind of, you know, try and get that momentum back, draw that leadership, find the direction again to get the team going forward? Yeah, it's interesting you to say that because you usually would imagine that that comes from your 9-10 or, you know, your, your 8-9-10. Keir Griffin or Anna Capeless is obviously at 8 Um Keir Griffin is a good, strong captain in, in the pack and the, the, the pack are seeming to make some good decisions and be able to settle the game down. Leah Lyons is in there as well. Good decision makers, Cleena Maloney, etc. Um, but the, the 9-10 axis, Catherine Dane, uh, she is the new 9 there at the moment. I really like her service. She 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 increased the pace of the game, but 
her game management, she's, she's just quite fresh. And she's, I don't think that we're going to see that from her this year. Ellen Murphy is the new 10. Again, she's quite quiet on the pitch. She's working her way into the role as well. But I think she's still got a long way to go. I think what we saw when Quinns and... Leinster played a Senenubu, she stepped into 10 and I think she did a really good job there, Sene doesn't kick so you know what's the dynamic there so I, I think that you'll probably see the decisions coming from Sene from the centre being passed inwards, that's not ideal, um, Lauren Delaney is at 15 as well so I think she's still a bit fresh to be able to stand in and manage that too so you can see that there's a lot of people that have to grow into their roles for that game management to be possible and um, so I think there's an awful lot of work for them to do to figure out who that is or who what couple of players that is for them to actually do it on the pitch so it's still lots of work to do but possible selection do you reckon you'll change some of those then and bring in a little bit more leadership I don't think they I don't think they have many options Rachel to be honest I think what they have at the moment they would have put out their starting team um so yeah, I think that what we're seeing now is is the framework of what Ireland will be building towards um, the reportage in, in September. So a prediction then, Lynn? Yeah, look, our Ireland need to win it. Um, I don't think the Wales have found their flow at all yet. Um, so I would I back Ireland to win it, and uh, yeah, yeah, I back Ireland to win it, and hopefully they they come out on top. <laughs> Oh, Lynn, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. Well, no doubt you've got some things to, to wash or sterilise or something or get, or get some sleep or something. But go and enjoy every second with your lovely new, your lovely new family. Uh, enjoy the start of this wonderful new chapter. And I really, really appreciate your insight today. And um, perhaps we'll catch up with you later in the season. Cause, uh, it's been yeah, no problem. Great to talk to you guys. Good luck. Yeah, see you later. Thanks, Bye. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I'm Kira Bevan, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. So that leaves us just with one game to discuss. That is match in Limoges between France and Italy. Fascinating game, isn't it? To see, for me, see how France react mentally. Do they crumble, think, oh, jeez, we just lost to England at home. That's what, five on the spin now against England. Oh, crumbs, we're against Italy, who beats the last year's Six Nations. Uh, I think that mental battle, that, to see how France get through that is going to be fascinating yeah it will be and I think like you said you know they're going to be looking to bounce back without a doubt um but at the same time you know Italy on a good weekend they'll be feeling confident about last year and they'll be going there with you know under no illusion that France will be you know all guns blazing wanting to rectify the weekend that's just gone but you know Italy have shown the class already um from the start of the first game against Wales and and they'll be looking to build on that and if you're Chum Jada pulls out another performance like she did against Wales, they've got every chance. Yeah, that's right. But I am going to back France on this. Are you? Yeah, I just think there was lots of moments, we've spoken about it against England, that they had so many opportunities. And for them to butcher them all again, I just can't see a team of that class doing it again. I hope, well, for Jada's sake, I hope they do. But... I just think, you know, they're going to bounce back really strongly. They've got a lot of well-cast players. Um, and I think that, you know, they're, they're mentally tougher than what they used to be. And I think they can bounce back strongly. And, you know, it's, again, it's hard to go and play France in France. Yeah. And and that's a Even big ask. kick-off. Yeah, big, tough ask against Italy, who had a tough game, like a tight, tough game as well at the weekend. So... I mean, I think it'll be a good game. I do think it'll be a good game, but I think I think France are going to tip it. Now, do I go with head or heart? Head. Yeah, I, th- I think France will win. What did your head say? France? Heart yeah. says Italy. I'm saying, I would love Italy to win, but I just, I don't know. I don't think they're going to have the power to do it. But I went to Scotland last week over over Ireland just to kind of be different. I, I might, just for the sake of the prediction race, I might go Italy just okay. to be different. Uh, how about Scotland England? England. There's just too much strength and depth there against Scotland. I think Scotland will be a very much improved side. They've got some. We like spoken with Jay Conkell. You know, players are playing now in the Tyrrells Premier 15, so they play with these players, play against them. That kind of fear factor about playing England's gone, but still the depth and the ability. And we, look, we can't forget that England are full-time professionals. Scotland are amateurs. Um, so. We we saw France, who are semi-professional, go against England. Well, there's a few professionals. Yes, so I think, I think you know, yeah, like, I think 
all the will in the world, I think England will still take it at the weekend, for sure. Ditto. Ireland, Wales. Home win. Uh, Ireland are going to win. Yeah, check. Uh, But that's all from us this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, A a couple of quick shout-outs, actually. Uh, Larissa McFadden, she's in Canada. Birth. She's been a great supporter of the pod, and we just exchanged some messages. She's so inspired by listening to you. Me? Yeah, genuinely. <laughs> and, and hearing about the Tills Premier 15, so she's at university at the moment. When she finishes university, she's going to come over here. Quinn's. Don't know. Quinn's, 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 Quinn's. One of you will have a salary cap and a restriction <laughs> on numbers by then. Um, but she's going to come over here and try and make it in, 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 in the Tills Premier or whatever the league will be, will be then. Uh, That's so, so nice to hear yeah, it's that really the nice, pod's isn't it? doing stuff like that. Yeah, especially and, and to a lady over in Canada. So... Yes, Larissa, keep keep listening. And also to Montserrat, at Montserrat109. She's in Mexico uh, and she likes and retweets absolutely everything. So uh, thank you very much for your support. Something you should support if you've got a a young lady who plays rugby is the Burford Academy Camps. uh, Starting up this February half term. On the 18th of February, Illingham and Ringwood down in the, uh, the New Forest. On the 19th, only RFC. On the 20th, Rams RFC. Where's Rams? It's in Reading. Round the corner from Reading Rugby Club. Is it? Yes. Well, there you are. Do get yourself booked on those. Details can be found at www. That's World Wide Web, by the way. Uh, BurfordAcademy.co.uk <laughs> or email rb at burford12.co.uk. That's burfordacademy.co.uk. Or email rb at burford12.co.uk. Get yourselves booked in. You will not be disappointed. Yes, that's right. And next week we'll be back to review the latest Six Nations action with England and Saracens, second row, Rosie Galligan, amongst others. Yeah, I hope she's recovering well. And as it is a bye week in the Six Nations, we'll be looking at the game from a slightly wider perspective. Uh, hopefully we're going to have uh, Nicky Potts with the RFU head of elite performance on to... Just drill down on that Teal's Premier News, the salary cap, relegation, that, that kind of stuff as well. And also we're hoping to speak to um, General Manager from World Rugby, Katie Sadia, to give her insight on the global game, especially with the announcement of the World Cup this week. And maybe we'll pick up, you know, this. there's a lot of chat about the format, isn't there, around Six Nations, so maybe we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, best behaviour next week for you, young Burfatron. I'm not coming. Perfect. <laughs> No, literally perfect. Uh, <laughs> so subscribe, rate, get on Instagram, Twitter. We're at Pod Women's Rugby. That's at Pod Women's Rugby. Give us a sh- give give us a shout out. Give us a story. Wh- whatever you want to do, you get yourselves on the pod. It'd be great to hear from you. So let us know your thoughts on round two of the Six Nations as well. So enjoy the matches wherever you are watching them, and remember, whatever you're doing to support the women's game. Wherever you are, keep it up. Until next time. <laughs>